Harvard Research, an Australian STEM podcast where we answer the questions that you quite possibly never got around to asking. My name's Amelia. Today, we're asking the question, why are there some really happy fat birds in the Arctic during the polar night? Now, I imagine for a lot of you, you've probably never thought about this question, possibly for a bunch of different reasons. Maybe you never think about the Arctic, which would be fair, because the majority of the world's population doesn't live there. Maybe you don't really think about the animals that live in the Arctic other than the occasional polar bear. Or maybe when you're thinking about the Arctic, you're only ever thinking about happy, easy things like Santa and reindeer. Maybe the aurora. You're probably not thinking about hours and hours and days and days and months of winter and that's what we're going to be talking about today a really 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 long winter and some really happy fat birds now if you caught my earlier episode about the difference between the arctic and the antarctic you're going to be all across this if you didn't listen to that episode i recommend you probably put this on pause go back have a listen to that so you've got a really clear picture in your head well, as clear as any of these podcasts are going to like give you. And you can come back here with that image of what the Arctic is in your head. Because the Arctic kind of, for people who live in one country, in sort of normal areas of the world, it's a pretty extreme kind of place. And there's some pretty extreme concepts that you need to like get through your head first. One of those really extreme things is just the seasons, right? So summer and winter, to people like us in Victoria, Australia, they're fairly distinct, right? We can tell the difference between summer because it's hot and dry. We can tell the difference between winter because it's wet, cold, slightly more miserable. In the Arctic and in the Antarctic, it's a lot more extreme than that. So it's not just temperature that's different, It's also the really, really long days and the really, really short or non-existent days in some cases. So once you get above the Arctic Circle, you start heading into places where winter goes on for a very, very long, cold, dark time. I've been privileged enough to actually go into the Arctic during the summer. So that would be during the midnight sun where you can have days that go on for weeks because the sun doesn't set. Trust me, if you can do it, you should do it. It's amazing. You'll have never had so much energy at 3am as you can have when the sun is still up at 3am. But the price of that, the price of that joy of brightness and energy of that summer is that there's a really hardcore winter. And that winter is long and dark. Not as cold as you might anticipate, But it's long and dark. Okay, so what we're interested in today is the winter. If you guys are keen, we can have a chat about the summer later. But the winter is where it's at at the moment. So around the months of December, so when Australia is obviously having our summer, the Northern Hemisphere is having its winter. And that means that the Arctic Circle is having winter as well. Fairly obvious it's in the Northern Hemisphere. Probably shouldn't surprise anyone. Okay, so what does that winter mean? So for people in high latitudes, that just means they have a really long night. As you get closer and closer to the pole, 
that night gets longer and longer, daylight gets shorter and shorter, till you can actually get to the point where you just don't get any daylight. The place I went to, Svalbard, which is an island north of Norway, they experience this kind of winter where you have weeks without the sun rising. Okay, so when I flew into Longyearbyen, which was the main city on Svalbard, flew into there, I actually flew and it got darker and darker. It was like flying into night, but obviously the sun wasn't going to rise again while I was there. The joy of this in the Arctic is it means there's a really high chance that you're going to see the northern lights because you've got 24 hours of darkness to see them in. And we did actually get to walk to uni, so walk to university, sorry, underneath the northern lights. It was pretty cool. It was also terrifying because in the dark you can't see polar bears and there's polar bears. You know, there's trade-offs for everything. There's good and there's bad. It was really, really cold. My iPod battery barely lasted 20 minutes because it was so cold. And there was a chance of polar bears. But on the plus side, got to see the Northern Lights. Most amazing stars I've ever seen in my life. And really got to appreciate the light that is reflected off the moon. So as you can tell, it's dark. It's a bit miserable. It's fairly cold. And it's like this for days and days, weeks and weeks. Obviously, that does weird things to people. And in general, we've always assumed that animals, if they could, would be out of there. Okay, so you've probably heard about animals that migrate between summer and summer, basically chasing the summer around the world. A lot of the birds in the Arctic, they're that kind of bird where they see the winter coming and they're like, no, thank you. I'm out. And they head down south where it's warm, like, as it turned out, a lot of the scientists were too. Scientists were like, eh, it's cold, it's miserable, there's probably no one here, let's go, the birds have gone, there's nothing going on. Now, like most assumptions, that turned out to be wrong. And this was discovered really quite recently, and what happened is there was a scientific research boat that decided to do a little bit of pootling around, around Svalbard during the polar night. And in the nighttime, ships have spotlights that they can point out and what they discovered with one of these spotlights is a really happy fat bird sitting on the water pootling along and the scientists were like there shouldn't be a bird there we thought all those birds of that particular species had migrated south how is that bird not dead and the reason like one would assume that any bird left behind would die is because birds are visual hunters, right? They need their eyes to be able to hunt. That makes sense. Okay, they don't have sonar, they can't echolocate. They're all about the eyes, spotting something, going munch. It's really hard to do that in the dark. So how are these birds surviving? This was a big enough question to launch basically an entire kind of set of research campaigns into the Arctic. And I'll link to them in the show notes because it's called Mare Incognitum and it's interesting. There's some really, really cool videos and I'll actually link to the video specifically because there were some very entertaining uh, experiences. So I was part of one of these expeditions heading up into the Arctic during the polar night to see what on earth was going on, how there were happy, fat, not many of them, 
not many happy fat birds, but enough to be scientifically interesting and just to see what was going on. Is there more going on? Is there more than just a couple of birds? Like, is it, is it kind of hectic up there in winter? So we got to go up to a scientific research station, which actually has the world's most northerly post office. It's a place called Nyorsen. And I don't actually remember how many scientists there were. There was probably like 20 or 30 of us, maybe more. Up we went to Nyorsen in the dark to check out what was happening in the water. Not so interested in the land, more interested in the water. And to do this, we took a whole lot of different scientific equipment, including a ship, which is pretty cool, some people who were willing to go scuba diving in the dark in really, really, really cold water, like a couple of degrees cold water. And we also got to have some really cool robots that we got to take up there, including a UAV, which honestly just looks like a terrifying torpedo, but it's pure scientific stuff, and some really cute little ROVs, which are like cameras on a cable that you can send down, and sometimes they've got claws, so you can poke at them and see what's going on down in the water. So we were there for two weeks, basically trying to work out what the birds were up to. So the answer is complicated, obviously, and there was a couple of scientific papers that came out of this research. But essentially, this sort of innate human assumption that in the dark nothing's happening was really quite wrong. Just because people don't like hanging out in the dark doesn't mean that animals give up and just have a big nap. So what was happening is that during a normal day-night cycle, really, really tiny animals within the water column will move up and down. So they'll move up at nighttime so that they can hunt without being eaten by these visual predators and they'll move down the water column, so deeper, during the daytime so that they can hide from those visual predators. Makes sense. Now, that cycle really only works when there's a day-night trigger. During the polar night, they don't have the light to trigger them, to tell them when to go up and when to go down. So what happens is that system of up and down gets a little bit muddled, and these creatures are a bit more distributed throughout the water column, right? So far, nothing particularly useful for the birds. Remember, the birds need to be able to see something to hunt it. Now, the thing about these creatures, we're talking really small ones, right? So we're talking like krill and zooplankton, the kind of thing that is eaten by a blue whale. Okay, so teeny, teeny, tiny things. The thing about them that's special is that they bioluminesce, right? And that means that various things can trigger them to let out a bit of light. On land, sort of the, the clearest comparison you can think of is like glowworms or fireflies, right? So something happens and they glow. In, in these kind of creatures land, that thing can, the trigger to make them glow or let out a flash of light can purely be them just bopping into each other. They go, bop, and they go, light flashes. They're like, hey, you bumped into me. With that light flash, they're then opening themselves up because they can be seen 
they can be hunted by visual predators, right? And that means they can be hunted by things like birds. How did we find out where these creatures were in the water column? Partly there was a bit of fishing involved and, you know, there's always a bit of fishing involved with an activity like these. And partly there was also our UAV had the ability to like scan the water column and see what was within the water column and where the biomass was. So we could see where they were moving when we captured them and gave them a little tap, they'd let out the light and we'd be able to see what was happening, which meant that the birdies could also see what was happening and the birds could eat them too. And essentially that actually solves the mystery of how there was a fat, happy bird in the polar night. But there were some other cool things that happened as well. I guess one of them was that when we arrived at the station, they were kind of like running out of water, which felt ironic because we were surrounded by snow on a fjord <laughs> and they weren't actually able to get any water. So we were on like really tight rations for showers and definitely weren't able to like wash any clothes or anything for two weeks. There were people doing a range of different kinds of experiments and those experiments are still ongoing. People looking at the different kinds of light waves, uh, how photosynthesis works during the polar night, which is kind of a crazy thought because we all just sort of think, oh, photosynthesis, the sun. But there's light from other sources, particularly reflected off the moon, that might be enough for plants to actually photosynthesize off, which is pretty crazy and kind of awesome. There were also some really hilarious interactions between the scuba divers and a local bird who kind of took offence to scuba diving in its hunting grounds. And so all up, I hope that answers the question for you. I doubt you'd ever asked it, but now you know the answer. Visual predators, they're able to hunt in the polar night because of bioluminescence of teeny tiny creatures. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our podcast, you're a little ripper. And you should follow us on Instagram at avid underscore research. If you have a question or someone you think we should interview, feel free to drop us an email at avid, A-V-I-D dot comms, C-O-M-M-S at gmail.com because avid research was already taken. <laughs>